0: Welcome to Let's Play Business!
1: Welcome to Let's Play Business, the show that explores how games can make people better at business and business better for people. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Welcome to episode 9. It's good to be back, Ben. Look at this. It's a new year. It's a new us. It's a new episode. I'm
0: on cloud 9. Cloud 9 and episode 9. That's where I'm at. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing alright, mate. I'm doing alright. You know, getting by. What you've been businessing, what you've been playing.
0: So, business in. I've been busy. I work in e-commerce, retail. It's been Black Friday. It's been Christmas. It's been January sales. It's been recruitment. It's been... uh It's been pissy. And on the gaming side of things, Ben, you're going to be proud of me. Do you remember our first ever... Actually, was it. I don't think it was our first nomination for Game of the Decade, but it was featured in our first episode. Shithead. I taught my mum to play Shithead. Over Christmas, we played some games. I won every single one and then I felt really bad about it. (laughs) Shout out to mama magic for getting into the gaming spirit what about you ben what have you been gaming or what have you been businessing what's new in your life
1: so businessing wise a few different things we're releasing a new game called interactive stories i don't know if you've ever read a choose your own adventure book or seen bandersnatch both of which are examples of kind of choose your own adventure so it's good for events where you've got large groups of people and you want to do quite a warm-up energetic activity that's quite interactive and involving so the idea is people vote on how the story's going to unfold they get like a little ebook that summarizes their story afterwards they have to perform different actions that we get them to do so it's very host-led very easy for people to participate more generally just thinking about i remember a consultant that used the phrase with me before of how long is your red carpet and i've been thinking of that in the concept of some of our games in particular for attendance reasons so obviously dropout is always an issue for particularly team building games and things like that so just thinking about what we can add on to the actual events like before and after it that help drive a bit more attendance and tackle those kind of dropout issues.
0: Interesting. When you say red carpet, what you mean is like the welcome experience, the experience between like discovery and activation, if we're gonna use some nice little buzzwords.
1: Exactly. So that's what I've been businessing. In terms of what I've been gaming, I've been playing this very unique and involving game. Uh, it's a simulation game, it's called Daddy. Whoa. Yes, it's big games, quite involving as I've discovered. So what you do is your wife gives birth. Earth to a child and then you in the simulation game you have to kind of water and feed and keep alive this child uh, which is called poppy and she is seven weeks old now and you know i think i'm doing okay at the game she, she's alive she's doing well this is
0: like an extreme version of a tamagotchi as well what i'm taking away from this
1: extreme version yeah like the game is quite long, so my understanding is I'll be playing it for probably at least 18 years before it kind of gets a bit easier at least, before we enter kind of an epilogue phase.
0: So you're seven weeks in, is this kind of still the tutorial? Is that kind of what I'm getting?
1: Yeah, and you know, as tutorials go, it's very hard. You don't actually get any instructions, so it's really just playing the game. <laughs> nice,
0: well congratulations Ben. Welcome to the world Poppy. I mean, one of us is now a dad, which means
1: one of us is officially a grown-up. That's the first. And of course, Zuki, we have our next guest lined up with us, the one, the only, Michael Byrne, who I'm now going to call Mike. Mike, say hello to our adoring fans and and tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. Thanks for
2: having me on. Excited to be here. My name's Mike, Michael, Michael Byrne, Mikey, Mikey B, pick your pick. I'm from Vancouver, Canada. Traveled a fair bit, but love the city, beautiful place to be. My background's largely the back end of business, so HR, project management, supply chain, admin, a little bit on the finance side. I actually studied biopsychology initially and went into neurofeedback, was a neurofeedback technician for a few years, but ended up drifting towards the business side. Both my parents have their MBAs. so it was just inevitable path that I was avoiding as long as I could before turning into my dad
0: nice Poppy's gonna do that one day too right Ben she'll be on her own like gamification podcast and she'll be saying well you know I tried to become a doctor but then I realised I'm a closet nerd just like my dad
1: <laughs> hopefully I hope she invites me as a guest Mike what's your current line of work
2: yes yeah the fun stuff so right now I work for a company that sells sex toys online largely sell within the US some in Canada a little bit overseas but largely within
0: in the US. Nice. And what do you do with them?
2: Uh, with the sex toys or with the company?
0: <laughs> I will let you pick which one of those you want to ask. <laughs> Far away from PG real quick. So uh, I'm the general manager
2: there, but a lot of what I handle is more on the back end. The CEO is much more focused on the marketing and the sales. So I'm handling supply chain, HR,
0: admin. So you're taking up the rear in the sex toy business. I, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> I cover the back end side.
1: <laughs> so... The way this is going to work, we're going to have three rounds or three levels even. First, game of the decade. Going to take our favorite game on that particular episode and find out what it's taught us about business. Level two, Dingoes the Interview, where we'll be asking our guests all about them and their business journey and how games may have helped them along the way. And then Level 3, Game My Problem. We'll have 60 seconds to come up with a game that'll help solve one of your business problems.
0: Level 1, Game of the Decade.
1: So, round 1 everyone, Game of the Decade. And Zuki, it is of course my turn, so I have prepared one for us today. And it's not too dissimilar from one that's come up before, but different angle. Without further ado, I can announce that my candidate for Game of the Decade is... Monopoly. Not Monopoly deal, Monopoly. The eight-hour experience or however long, depending on what your family's like. I mean, has anyone finished a game
0: of Monopoly? Is that a thing that happens?
1: (laughs) I was pondering this. Mike, have you ever finished a game of Monopoly? Have you played Monopoly?
0: Yes, yeah, I've played many times. So the new ones
2: with the credit cards, it is substantially faster.
1: Are you kidding? That's a real thing?
0: That's a real thing. Yeah. Next is going to be Monopoly Bitcoin edition. Every transaction is logged. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Anyway, Monopoly is my game of the decade. So, the reason for this, a situation that I've increasingly noticed kind of in business. In my context it's within particularly game design but I think this could relate across a number of roles. So in Monopoly, the idea is you play against a couple of other players up to, I think, about six. You move around a board and each of the landing spaces on a board are normally property. and you have the opportunity to buy those properties. And then when people land on your properties, they have to pay you rent and you can make them pay you even more rent by putting houses on those properties and also collecting like sets. So, you know, all three yellow properties. In Monopoly, what will often happen, particularly kind of in the midpoint of the game is you'll get, say, two out of three of a certain colour set, and you become fixated on getting that third colour. You get real tunnel vision, and what almost happens is all the assumptions of how you can play the game become fixed. This is the only strategy, this is the only solution that I can pursue now. I must get that property no matter what. And I get this in business sometimes where, so we design a game and we get quite far down the garden path and then we get stuck with a particular problem and we're really struggling to do it. And that's because we've created these like constraints, these assumptions on how the game's got to work that we've decided say further back. And so we're working within those constraints. That's often necessary, but in Monopoly, Sometimes you have to recognise, you know what, I've been so fixated on that being the problem I need to solve, but maybe I actually need to step back and solve a different problem and that will unlock different strategies. So for example, you might think, no, you know what, I'm obsessing that the only way to win is to get that property, but I've kind of forgot that actually three of the train stations are still available. You roll back a bit and you think, actually. What if I sold these two properties to the person that's got the third? That'll enable me to auction bid on, say, these other properties or make an offer. So we spoke about problem solving before, and it is problem solving, but it's real kind of creative problem solving where you really have to question your assumptions all the time. And I find this, like I say, in game design, where sometimes you were convinced that the game had to be like this. But why does it have to be like that? And is the fact that you're making it like that causing you more trouble than it's worth. It's tricky because you have to like be able to question your assumptions and that gets quite uncomfortable and I think that's one of the interesting points in Monopoly and translating it to businesses. You can do this but you also have to work out when to do it. Like if you do that all the time your kind of foundation becomes too slippery but you also need to recognise when you are just getting two tunnel vision and when you need to break out of that in terms of your strategic thinking. I'm totally with you. One thing
0: that I've noticed from playing Monopoly in the past is that
1: when you begin you need
0: to rack up properties quite quickly because you need to own spaces on the board but then it reaches a point where you need to hoard cash because There's an increasing probability that when you roll the dice, you're going to have to pay someone rent. You need to be able to judge the game and read, like, okay, when am I spending? When am I saving? And like, adapt your cash flow, I guess, (laughs) in response to that. Obviously, in business, it's the same thing. There are times when you really need to invest in growth, R and D, and new product development, and whatever it might be. But then there are other times when you need to build up your reserves. The cruise industry is a classic example of this. Over the pandemic, pretty much every cruise liner has just been shipping away through its cash reserves and it's a battle of who can survive the longest there are other times when those same cruise liners are investing in new ships they're investing in new markets they're investing in growth and there's like a massive balance between those two things yeah definitely news
2: that just came out toyota for the first time ever is a top selling car company in the us and what the main attribution of that is was the sucking up of the microchips um, that are required for cars now.
0: Really? So they've had supply when other competitors haven't had supply?
2: Yeah, in a very saturated market. And then, Ben, on your point, there's
0: a book called Rock
2: the Recession. It's a great book. It highlights a lot on what you're talking about, on how you know something like a recession hitting can completely curveball your entire plans and you need to have those
1: contingencies in place. Definitely. And you have to be able to deal with the fact that you may have been fixated on a certain strategy or a certain approach and you have to like go backwards to go forwards again and that's quite hard mentally to deal with and that's why i also think there is creativity involved i'd be curious to get your thoughts as well on because something i do find challenging is you can't constantly question every single assumption you've made all the time there are reasons you've made them and if you do that all the time you'll never land on a route because the second you hit any kind of road bump like any challenge you'll be like oh well i need to roll back and i need to rethink this that's not sustainable i'd be curious to get your thoughts on how you judge that point in time on when you do that or versus when you stick
0: yeah and i think especially in the context of monopoly and in the context of business as well <laughs> it could be quite difficult to kind of like get that right when i played monopoly when i was a kid my game was very different to playing monopoly as like an adult because what you learn as an adult is there's an element of probability and data that's involved in the game so for example, I think it's the orange squares that are around the free parking bit. They are the ones that are most valuable on the board because you're most likely to land on those whereas the most expensive one on the board, which is the dark blues, people often think, oh, let's get those because if I get those, someone lands on them, then my rent's going to be massive. The payoff will be huge. But the likelihood of that happening is really low, whereas the oranges, the likelihood of it happening is quite high. There's a certain point where in the game of Monopoly and in business, you probably need to take stock of where you're at, where statistically the numbers and the data is stacking in your favour and stacking against you. And then you probably need to use that to kind of inform your decisions. Like if you're able to get the oranges, that's going to put you in a really strong spot. But if someone else has already got them, then you might need to think about what's the best way to sort of counterbalance that and similarly in business
1: nice i'm glad that monopoly can help us all so much in business i've had one other thought actually just thinking
0: about the land grab that happens at the beginning when everyone's just like buying up everything and then you start trading stuff
1: because there's a limited number of things
0: you could own there's a certain amount of like scarcity i'm a marketing guy right and i think there's a lesson there which is like but if you buy stuff up really quickly and if you create scarcity and if you try and like hoard the board that can be really good for your game. And similarly, in marketing, like scarcity, as we've seen, for example, in car prices in the United States, like secondhand car prices, because new cars are so hard to come by and therefore a lot more expensive, the value of old cars has been driven up. It's the same in Monopoly. If you're able to create scarcity, if you're able to take one of each color so that no one can get a complete set, then that's gonna play to your advantage as well. And I think there's a lot of carryover between those
1: two ways of thinking as well. Yeah, definitely. Very insightful, Zuki.
0: Ben, I have a question for you. If you had to choose between Monopoly Deal, which was your previous Game of the Decade nomination, and Monopoly, which is your most recent Game of the Decade nomination, what's it going to be?
1: In terms of what teaches you the most about business... Of
0: course. This is Let's Play Business, man.
1: (laughs) I'm slightly inclined to say Monopoly. Yeah, I am slightly inclined to say Monopoly, but there's not a lot in it.
0: Level 2. Ding goes the interview.
1: Right, it's time for the main event, ding goes the interview. Are you ready? I think I'm ready to go, I took notes so I hope I'm prepped. As you already know Mike, you will be assigned dings every time you say something insightful and we'll let you know how many dings you've got at the end. So question number one, the main event, what is your favourite ever game and why? So
2: my favourite game is Sudoku, one to nine, horizontal, vertical, and in boxes, and a 9x9 grid.
0: That was a very succinct summary of
2: Sudoku. (laughs) Sudoku, I used to play it a lot on my way to work. Once you get the hang of it, it's a very quick game that you can play. One thing that aligns really well with who I am is the compounding skill sets and strategies. When you first play, you're trying to figure out how to get 1-9 to horizontally and then like okay, crap, I have to do it vertically as well as in the box. But the more difficult it gets, the more complicated your rules need to be. I find it's quite similar to what you have to deal with in the working world too. You can start with some pretty basic processes, you know, like brand voice can be like your very basic starting points, pitching to customers. and. you're gonna talk to the customers but as you grow as you get bigger okay well now you're gonna have to deal with a more complex supply chain if you're gonna sell in multiple countries now you need a completely new technique and typically as you go through a game you'll start to use your techniques and then you're gonna have to cycle back you know the most complicated one i've got it as far as i can now i've got to go back to step one and i got to go through it again
1: I have a number of questions on that mic actually, partly because I've never been very good at Sudoku. One of the things I've always found with Sudoku is when it gets harder, there seems to get to a point where it feels like there is no logic that can apply that will like definitively tell me what to do next. It feels like I have to try something without ultimately knowing if it'll be correct. And then if it's not correct, I have to roll back. So is that a correct interpretation? And Do you feel like there's any learning from that in a business context? Secondly, I found it interesting you talking about how you have to build different techniques. I often hear conflicting things around when you start your business, like, you know, getting started is more important than being right, just get going, versus like laying really good groundwork and getting all your systems in place at the start, you know, all those kind of things so that they're scalable. And I sometimes feel like that advice is conflicting. in Sudoku. Is it you basically have to bin previous techniques and accept that they were only ever temporary and create entirely new ones? Or is it you create like a base technique that you can then build on top of, if that makes sense?
2: So to start the guessing aspect, it's only at the hardest level where you actually have to guess. There's just a few like multi-level and you have to think more two or three steps ahead of if this and that were easy, medium, hard. It's extremely rare that I find have to actually guess on those. You can get those done really quickly. Like the world's fastest time I believe it's around 28 seconds. What?
0: That's incredible. I haven't been able to crack 46 seconds yet. Man, the next time I'm in isolation with COVID or a lockdown or whatever it is, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> the second point there, scalability and the compounding versus
2: varied. I do find most of the techniques do compound. It's actually a lot of like interconnection, you know, like you treat it like the interconnection of the different departments. But there are some techniques that are better built for scale, just as Aaron business, you know, like to have a sales team that can only handle so many accounts. You can't have a million accounts with three sales reps. You're gonna need more and more sales reps as a business grows. So that's something that's an example of a growth technique. Whereas something like your finance and accounting team that scales a lot more. You can have a very small finance and accounting team for a hundred million dollar business relative to the sales team you would need. The same things in Sudoku there's some things that scale a lot better and there's some things that are just going to happen with the growth
0: couple of things that i've just thought of when i've played sudoku in the past and bearing in mind i'm like a bit of a noob when it comes to sudoku so i'm very much an easy medium guy i've done a few hards in my time i can go big when i want to but there's not very often and they take me ages what i found is like i have my set of strategies and i run through my set of strategies and you go through the numbers so i'll go through i'll be like okay let's try and fill in the ones and the twos going through that process from one to nine you fill in some of the blanks so then the next time you go through your one to nine it's easier because you've got fewer empty squares and i think that's something about resilience and experience in business as you go through and you experience challenges and problems the next time those challenges and problems come along they're just a bit easier to get your head around the second thing you kind of alluded to this with your kind of if this then that thinking it's a little bit like chess in some ways where the decisions you make have consequences you've got a square and you're like this has to be a one because it can't be a two or a three and everything else is filled in then does that mean that this square up here has to be a two because it can't be a one so you can kind of start to think in this kind of linear pattern where you have to start sort of thinking into the future and i think that good business thinking requires that same sort of discipline where you think okay if i give person x a pay rise because they've asked for one the consequences of doing that may mean that so and so becomes disgruntled or it means that i can't spend money on why you know chess sudoku and business will teach you that you need to think through the decisions that you make
2: yeah definitely it's like tying your shoes your brain learns and new neural pathways connect that's functioning how you learn and the more you tie your shoes, the simpler it gets and the easier it gets. On the other piece, you know, processes definitely do combine. You're 100% right. And there is a huge overlap there. And the one other comment you had there about uh, going big on a on hard, my company does have a, a few products for you
0: on that one. If you're <laughs> Don't have to do it yourself. I'm glad you're that for me,
1: Mike. All right then, question number two. Can you name a challenging moment in your career and tell us any skills that games, you know, may have helped you to develop to overcome that moment?
2: So there's a game that a friend of mine made called Rainbow Runner. It was an Xbox indie game. And if you remember, like Xbox has four different colors. It's kind of like Mario where like you're going left to right 2D and there's walls that are like approaching and it goes at varying speeds but the walls will be different colors that you have to change based on like the button color of the xbox controller and you also have to like shoot and jump and fight bosses at the end he had a level of difficulty on it called masochistic because it was so damn hard when he was first making the game i was helping test it so you know i'm in the credits which is great First for a celebrity for you on the show too um one of the big things that taught me and actually made me value was non-stop persistence. Every single time you fail, like, what did I learn? Do it again. What did I learn? Do it again. I find a lot in business, especially on the startup side, you're going to fail way more than you do things right. And unless you learn to just always, what did I learn? Do it again. You're going to struggle. It's not a comfortable position to be in at all. But if you're able to do that persistence and push through and always, what did I learn? Do it again. You'll find your way through.
0: I actually watched an interview recently with Richard Branson, who isn't someone that you necessarily associate with failure. But it was interesting because he was talking about one of the best days of his life, which was the inaugural flight of Virgin Atlantic from London to New York. He was like, yes, we're flying. We're in the air, baby. We're gonna take over the world. And he gets home and his bank manager is outside his house. And his bank manager was like, the loans that you've been taking to pay for these flights, you haven't been paying them back. And we need that money by Monday. This was on a Friday. And he was like, shit I don't have that money and if I can't get that money then that's it that first flight will be our last flight and he's talking about you know like being at rock bottom and having to like call in a load of favours and try and do a load of weekend fundraising but he managed to pull it off and save his airline but it was really interesting because exactly as you say like you know you think about people like Richard Branson with his billions and all this success and in order for him to get there he had to literally beg borrow and steal
1: I'm relating aggressively to your learning there Mike I'm guessing that you're saying in particular from your experience of working in some startups you've had plenty of moments like that it's very reassuring to hear because running a I don't know how you when you start defining something as a star but it feels like a very young business still fail at so many things it's actually hilarious how many things we i fail at internally obviously yes there are successes as well thank god uh for anyone that's thinking of buying from us this is a lie everything like we do is perfect but yeah failure is a part of it and you're right you've really got to learn to ride it and learn from it right question number three mike if you were a hero in a game what kind would you be describe yourself
2: so I was thinking about this one for a long time. The biggest struggle I had with a lot of heroes in at least like the traditional games is that they tend to have very specific skill sets that they excel at. And I find them much more on a broader sense of I've got diversity of skills. So the best one that I could come up with, which isn't a video game, was actually Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. It's a very untraditional hero, but I mean, he does like save the house and he keeps the bad guys at bay. One thing I really appreciated about his hero's persona and, and character was it, it required a lot of like creative wit but systematic process in the way he did a lot of a lot of his different stuff putting up the marbles and then but he would also have like the can fall down like immediately after it's like it was always like a, a systematic approach it was three stages that follow so it was much more like a jack of all trades in that respect uh, he didn't have like one move where he just always did like a flamethrower or anything along those lines so it was that crafty and playful mix while also having that variety of techniques
1: that compound. Slightly unique hero type of character, certainly not one we've come across. I appreciate, you know, going for, rather than someone flashy, should we say, appreciating that kind of methodical side of things as well. A hero that thinks rather than rushes in.
0: I would definitely play Home Alone, the video game as well. I feel like they have really missed something out of the franchise there.
1: Final question. Have you seen any good examples of games or game principles being used in the real world
2: the simplest one is on poker the one thing that i would really highlight from this is that you're never playing the cards you're always playing the man or the person rather it's the same thing in business like you're always negotiating with the person you're never negotiating with the business there's always one person's angle or approach there's something that you're selling to so getting to know who you're talking to knowing what helps them makes a massive difference if you're talking to sales that's a very different approach than if you're talking to the warehouse manager. The warehouse manager is gonna want something smooth, efficient, and easy. You're talking to sales, they're gonna want as much money in as possible. It doesn't matter how messy it is. Do the research, know who you're playing against, know who you're negotiating with, but also know the angles that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that uh, angles are quite important for your business, Mike. Uh, you've really got to
1: know, know those angles. <laughs> <laughs> you're stretching it now, can. <laughs> It's interesting using poker as an example as well. I don't actually think we've really had poker mentioned much, which is surprising for it being such a kind of prolific game. Maybe we'll see more appearances of poker in future episodes as well. Okay, Mike, that's all of your questions. So what we're going to do now? We're going to tally up your dings and let you know how you've done. What you got, Zuki? I've got Big Ben.
0: Thirteen dings.
1: Thirteen dings. Yeah. Oh no, but now it makes me look like I've hated Mike. But that's not the case. It's just you've put so many dings.
0: I have put a lot of dings. Do you know why, Ben? It's just the variety of games that we've covered. Go on, Stingy Ben, show us what you got.
1: I've done seven dings. But can I just clarify and say that seven dings is a very respectable number of dings.
0: It is actually very respectable.
1: (laughs) 20 dings. That's not bad at all. And you know what? We've actually put the leaderboard up on the website now. Oh, you know what? we haven't put people's scores on we just put their placing so i don't know where you are from what is mike
0: (laughs) level three game my problem
1: okay listener it's time for the final round game my problem so we have an email in from a listener guys once i've read this out i'm going to give you 60 seconds to try and solve this business problem by designing a game so you know no pressure dear ben and zuki happy new year I own a boutique fitness studio in Macclesfield, and I need your help. It's the new year, and like lots of gyms, we've had an influx of new members with ambitious New Year's resolutions. We're different to other gyms, though, because we have no membership contracts, so people can leave whenever they want. So for us, it's really important that our new members stay with us to meet their fitness goals. I listened to your podcast over Christmas and hoped you might be able to help us come up with a game that would help us to keep our new members motivated and on track. I really hope you can help. Thank you. And they've left their name anonymous.
0: Okay, so I've got a boutique fitness centre in the north of England. Great place to have one. And they don't have membership contracts throughout the year, so they need some way of getting the new members that they've won in January to stick around and meet their fitness goals. So we need to motivate them and keep them engaged
1: I think we can solve this. So you got the problem. I'm going to give you 60 seconds now. I'm going to start the timer now. Right, time's up, everyone. That's it, 60 seconds is over. You know what? I'm happy to go first for once. I normally get someone else to go first. So for once, I'll take the hit. So as always, I'm bringing the best name to the table. So my game, inspired by some of the discussions earlier, is going to be called Monopagym. Nice so the idea behind this game is so you set a goal you need to set a goal that's like a hard number let's just go with lifting let's say to get to lifting 80 kg on the bench (laughs) or, or whatever something like that or a few different goals what happens is the gym gets zoned like a board when you start your goals you start in zone one of the gym you're in the first zone it's a bit tatty equipment's a bit knackered. And then once you get to like 25% of your goal, you get to move into zone two when you come to the gym. Bit nicer, equipment's in a bit of a better state, you know, that kind of thing. And then when you get 50% of the way, you go to zone three and it it gets better and better. And then when you get to like your end goal, the gym area that you get to work out in is like super friggin' lush, like brand spanking new equipment, real good stuff. And so you're incentivized to hit those goals but also there's a bit of like social pressure in the sense of like, you know, you befriend someone in the gym, they move up to zone two. You want to still chat with them. So you're incentivized to get to zone two. So, you, can, you know. Chat. Your friends. I don't know. You've made friends at the gym. It's quite a harsh game. It's quite an expensive game as well, if I'm honest, because you need quite a lot of gym equipment. But it's pretty unique, in my opinion, and it'll definitely incentivize you to work your way up the zone. So, yeah, monopoly Gym.
0: Let's be real. If you can get these members to stick around, then obviously it's going to mean that the money's there, you know? You've got all these membership fees. You're going to have to spend them on something.
1: Why reward yourself with more pay when you could just put it all in the gym? Oh, totally, man. Totally. <laughs> so, that's my game, monopoly Gym. Zuki, would you like to go next?
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. My- this is not my best name. My- my game name is In It To Get Fit. Yeah, it's not my best, but let's get onto the game content, shall we? Obviously you want people to keep coming back. I remember reading somewhere at some point that it takes like a hundred days or something to get people into a habits. So if you can keep people coming back, like for like up to a hundred days, then they'll stick around. So you want people to visit the gym and they're gonna be there to do their workout. But while they're there, there can be like some sort of board or some sort of like a thing, like experience thing where there's just a challenge that they have to like submit a score for. So it might be like a little fitness challenge So it might be like, how quickly can you do 20 push-ups? And it's not about winning the challenge. It's about logging a score. The winner isn't the person who's done it the fastest. The winner is just like a random person who gets picked out of the hat for entering. People who enter the challenges or who win the challenges or one of the two, I don't know, they get points and you build up the points and then like you can spend those points on prizes. So it might be like a free personal trainer session or it might be some socks.
1: Some socks. Free personal trainer session or some socks. (laughs)
0: I don't know, man, like whatever your budget is. <laughs> and then because people are there, they're in the habit and they're getting rewarded for going, you're entering these challenges and you're getting these free socks and personal training sessions and stuff. You're gonna be like, oh sweet, you know, I'm gonna keep going because I want more chances for winning more stuff. And then suddenly you're like, whoa, I have abs. I better keep going because I've got abs. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, I've been going for a hundred days. This is a habit now. And you can stop spending money on, on these prizes.
1: If I'm honest, I feel like I've already seen it a lot of gyms where they have like a daily challenge type thing. Are you sure you're not just rehashing existing stuff? Uh, No,
0: Ben. I had 60 seconds. This is the best
1: I could come up with. (laughs) Yeah, it's not your best. It's not your best. All right then, Mike, those are the games at the top. What you got for us?
2: So what I'm proposing is ripping the name off of my friend. That'll be Discount Runner. Leaning on Zuki's concept there, too, of getting the 100 days in a row. Every day you show up adds, you get 1%, next day 2%, 3%. Every single time you scan in, it builds up to 100% discount. So if you do 100 days in a row, you get whatever your next month free or your next three months free, or if you pay by class, you get your class free. And if you stop at 42 days, the advantage is day 43, you don't come in. Day 44, you get marketing message saying, hey, here's 43% off your next class. Get them to come back in and start over again for the first, you know, do that for whatever, first 120 days or.
1: Oh, nice. That's actually a dangerously sensible idea for one of the game of my problems, like as in I could actually see someone doing that. (laughs) Not that I'm saying I can't see my whole zonal system being put into place, Yours might be slightly easier to implement, if I'm honest. I like the idea that you can make it where the percentages vary. So on some days, and they could also use this to try and drive footfall on days that are quieter and less footfall on busier days. So you get like 2% or 3% on days that are quieter. I meant like 1% on busier days. But you could also do for every day they don't turn up, they lose like half a percent or something. Goes back the other way. Oh,
0: loss aversion. Nice. Nice bit of psychology there.
1: All right, then, well, there you go. There's the free games. So we had Monopa Gym, we had In It to Get Fit, and we had Discount Runner. Probably not the best set of names for games that have come up. Sorry, no offense, Mike. Talking about all three, though. But, you know, some interesting ideas in there, I would say. Some interesting ideas. So, Mike, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode. Have you had a good time? It was a great time.
2: Lots of great penis jokes.
1: <laughs> it's been wonderful to have you, Mike. Clearly, Zuki loved having you on because he gave you 13 dings. So, you're up there with, with some of the best guests. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Let's Play Business. And of course, if you've got a business problem that you'd like our help with, then do email in your dilemma to let's play at gmail.com. That's let's play at gmail.com. Also, we would love a recommendation or a mention to a friend. So if you've got a friend that loves Monopoly or Sudoku or something similar, then, you know, make him aware of the podcast. Make him aware of this episode. Now, all our social media handles will be in the show notes below, as well as links to my company, Alternate Experiences, in case you want to take a peek at our games and gamification offering. But for now, I've been your host, Ben Fowler. And I've been your host, Zuki. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening folks. Now go to jail. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 pounds. That's good right?